Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to UBS Conversations. Knowing that living well is essential to planning well, our conversation today will focus on strategies to help protect your brain health. Joining me in studio for today's conversation, glad to welcome back to UBS Conversations, Dr. Mark Milstein. Dr. Milstein is a leading brain health expert and a good friend to UBS. Dr. Milstein specializes in presenting the leading scientific research on brain health in a way that educates, entertains, and empowers us to live better. UBS as a firm has been working with Dr. Milstein for over 10 years, and his new book, which is entitled The Age-Proof Brain, will be released this coming October. First off, it's great to have you back up here in UBS Studios with us. I know it's been a few years, so this is actually a follow-up or a refresh of our prior conversation. So uh, thank you again for spending some time with our listeners and our clients. Great to be with you today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So we do have plenty to cover over the next 20 minutes or so. Maybe we can begin by getting our listeners, our clients, better familiarized with the footprint of cognitive decline. Alzheimer's, dementia, they come to mind as unfortunate realities which affect many individuals around the globe. So can you maybe walk us through the scope of dementia, maybe in terms of the current global impact or even the forecasted impact? Yes, definitely. So this, the statistics are staggering, but we have a lot of hopeful insights. But to put in perspective, 54 million people around the world suffer from dementia. And what we're seeing is that over the last 30 years, that's a 133% increase. So we want to be aware that even in the last couple of years, there are some aspects to uh, what's been happening that we want to to really start talking about. So for example, uh, when it comes to depression, we, we see that before the pandemic, the rates were 8.3%, and now they are 33%. And that's not only important for our day-to-day wellness and mental health, but it's a driving force for dementia. So we want to be aware that our mental health today impacts our brain health in the future, and that individuals who have untreated conditions like depression and anxiety develop dementia about five years earlier. So we want to make this part of the conversation that we can do things, we can we can lower the risk of dementia, we can take care of our mental health today, and then we can hopefully bring down these, these trends of these increasing numbers. With that in mind, the global impact, quite staggering, as you pointed out. You mentioned some 53 million cases worldwide as it stands today, a staggering number. What would you say are some prevention misconceptions or even hype, if we want to use that word, uh, that our listeners, clients should be aware of? Yeah, so we're living in a time with a lot of information and a lot of misinformation. And so we want to be aware that unfortunately there is no magic pill. Uh, there is no magic supplement. It's not about the fads. It's not about the, the things that we see advertised on television. Instead, though, that we do see that we can lower risk of dementia and Alzheimer's anywhere from 30 to 60% based upon some lifestyle factors. And I like to say little things that make a big impact. And so we have a lot of hope there that even though... Um, it's not the the quick pill or, or 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 some fad that by doing some very simple and practical things that we can absolutely protect our brain health today and down the road. As far as taking action, it sounds like in this case, being proactive can go a long way to head off complications down the line. What are some steps that can be implemented in order to avoid cognitive decline? Maybe put another way, what can be done to keep your brain working better for longer? So what we want to be aware of is that what's happening inside of our body, not just in our brain, has a a big impact. 
So we want to think about our gut health. We want to think about our heart health. We want to think about our immune system. We want to think about metabolism. And even though that sounds like, oh, no, this is a whole <laughs> new list of things I need to worry about, it boils down to some really simple things we can do. So, for example, we want to optimize our sleep, our stress, our diet, and our exercise. So just a quick, I always like to give a take-home tip. <laughs> when it comes to optimizing our sleep, we realize that that's a time when we really keep our brain more youthful. We help rebalance our immune system. And if you're having any trouble falling asleep, be aware that just lowering the temperature of your room just a little bit, making it a little bit cooler, can help you fall asleep, help you get into those deeper stages of sleep where you can actually protect your brain. So really we want to focus on these very simple actionable things that we can do that can protect our brain like optimize our sleep with these very simple techniques maybe easier said than done for many myself included but it does sound like it does go a long way i do want to get back to gut brain connection in a few moments but before we do that by implementing some of the action steps you just shared with us what impact does that have to prevention over time one of the things that we're seeing is that not only does our gut health impact our brain it's a key part of our immune system and so we want to balance our immune system. We don't want it to overact because an overactive immune system actually attacks the brain. So one of the ways in which we balance our immune system is through our gut. And so about 60 tons of food pass through your intestine every, uh, through, in a lifetime. And some of that food can cause good bacteria to grow and some of it causes bad bacteria. The good bacteria can calm us down by releasing certain chemicals. It can protect our brain. It can lessen inflammation. The bad bacteria does the opposite. It can make us more anxious. It can cause inflammation. It can cause a leakiness in the gut that can be very damaging to, to our brain and our body. So really, we boil this all down to the good food that feeds the good bacteria is the, the non-processed whole natural foods, the, the fruits, the vegetables, the whole grains, the lean meats, and, and the things that we are concerned about are the ultra-processed foods. So if you can't pronounce the ingredients, right. it looks like a chemistry experiment gone wrong, uh, we want to minimize those things because those things can feed the bad bacteria, which can release chemicals that can damage our brain and, and basically throw off our immune system. I have a feeling ice cream's not on the good list. Well, everything in moderation. <laughs> so, uh, Very you know, true. Less processed, the better. And, right. And, and we want to find things, find the good balance. Of course. Yeah. Running with this a bit further, the gut-brain connection, you champion this. I do recall a few years ago when we last spoke in our prior studio, we, we did spend some time on this. It's quite important, so we can break this out here a bit further. Can you spend a few moments explaining to our listeners, our clients, the science behind behind this, this gut-brain connection. It really does relate to this idea of your gut is basically either a barrier or it leaks. And so that good bacteria is like a bouncer in a club almost that keeps out or decides what's going to get into the bloodstream. And so the good bacteria is very, very uh, adept at making sure that only the right things are passing into the bloodstream and the bad bacteria let toxins and waste and chemicals that are dangerous get into the bloodstream, which then make their way to the brain. And so we really see that there is this direct connection between what's happening in our gut and what's happening in our brain. And we're realizing that conditions from depression, anxiety, uh, Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, mm -hmm. they can have an element of a gut-brain connection. And that's why what we're eating is one of the powerful things that we can do to really protect our gut and our brain. I have to keep that in mind next time I'm at the grocery store. Right, absolutely. absolutely, yeah. Sticking with the theme of symptom or warning sign awareness, can you speak to any research studies on inflammation in particular? What is important for women to know in this case? Yeah, so if we think about inflammation, that's the immune system going into attack mode. And so 
in the short term can be very beneficial. You're fighting off viruses, dangerous bacteria. But if the inflammation doesn't take a break, if it doesn't calm down, that same inflammation can turn on our brain and our, on our body and go into attack mode. So just imagine the brain being attacked by the immune system. That attack is very dangerous. Mm -hmm. It can have a negative impact on memory. It can cause the brain to shrink. It can cause an increase in the amount of waste or toxins, basically decay the brain. So what we want to be aware of is that we want to really balance the immune system. We always hear about boost, 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 but mm -hmm. we really don't want to be boosting the immune system. We want to balance it. Mm -hmm. That's through stress management. That's through the sleep tip that I just gave and other right. sleep tips, what we're eating. And when it comes to men and women, but something that's particularly important to women is the immune system can also attack the thyroid. And there's a condition called autoimmune thyroiditis. And this condition is we are now realizing that individuals who have depression or anxiety that's not responding to traditional treatments, in about 50% of the cases, it's because they have an inflamed thyroid. The immune system is attacking the thyroid. It's often overlooked. It's often missed. In women, it's often mistaken for hormonal changes or menopause. So really the key take home is, is if anybody is suffering from any conditions like depression, anxiety, or any changes to mood, or it's not being helped by traditional treatments, we mm -hmm. want to look a little bit deeper, check the thyroid. We can check this with blood tests and we can treat it. So if we're aware of this inflammation, we can treat it and we can help protect the brain and, and multiple aspects of our health. Getting back to eating properly for a few moments, and I'm sure in our minds we can all separate the right foods, the wrong foods, though. Is there a thing as eating too much broccoli or spinach, so to speak? But what about eating the right foods in the wrong way? Yeah, it's funny you bring up broccoli and spinach because some people love them. And I, I do you, are you a fan of broccoli and spinach? Sautéed. <laughs> Sautéed, okay. Yeah. So when With it a little oil and garlic. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so when it comes to broccoli and spinach, uh, we can talk about broccoli specifically is that I like to say you could be eating the right foods the wrong way. And so when it comes to broccoli, if you overcook it, you actually can lose the brain-boosting benefits. Mm. So we want to think about lightly steaming two to three minutes, keeping the temperature quite low. We also see that when it comes to broccoli, that if you chop it up, it can release some of the, the brain-boosting benefits. It's okay to cook broccoli mm. if you add a little mustard seed. There's actually a chemical reaction that takes place really? where we see that it protects the brain-boosting benefits. So it would be awful if somebody is downing broccoli, they're forcing it down, but they're not getting the benefits. So we want to be aware that you could be eating the right foods the wrong way, but when it comes to, to things like broccoli, don't overcook it. And if you are cooking it, add a little bit of that mustard seed to get those benefits. Okay, good tips. I'll have to keep those in mind. Something else, you've stressed the importance of happiness and stress management. As we all know, the past two and a half, three years, a very stressful time in many aspects. But what should one do in order to strike the right balance there? So what we see is that stress is actually quite good as long as we can manage it. So Studies have been coming out even just in the past couple of weeks that really bolster these insights that we, we don't want to be afraid of stress. Even a, a, a burst of stress, a moment of stress, very good. Your brain's like a car. If you don't drive it, it falls apart. But if you overdrive it, it falls apart. So we want stress to be something that we can take a break from and something that we can manage. And what we see is that essentially our cortisol levels or our stress response, they tend to be highest when we're thinking about the past or the future. But if we're in the present moment and we're focusing on what's happening right now, stress levels tend to drop. And so something that can be really simple and really actionable is just a quick, what we call mindfulness exercise. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. Something as simple as just throughout the day, taking a moment and, and name three things you see, three things you hear, three things you smell, something like that. Put your phone away right before that. Breathe in and out three times. 
these things can sound a bit silly. They force the brain to get in this present moment. We have so much distraction. We have so much information coming from multiple angles that can cause us to be stressed and not even, not even be aware of it. So this is just a, a really simple exercise to say, wait a second, I'm just going to get in the present moment, bring my stress levels down, right. and then I get back to the next thing I need to tackle. Well, I am sensing a pattern, whether it's sleeping or eating or stress management, the little things can really go a long way in the long term, right? That's absolutely what we're seeing is that it doesn't have to be, nobody wants to make major changes. Right. <laughs> so, right. so if we can just do little things over time that can be of great benefit. Well, Dr. Milstein, I've certainly learned a lot during our conversation today. I'm sure our listeners, our clients have as well. Before we close out, any final thoughts or takeaways you'd like to leave us with? I think one of the big things is that we want to be aware that it's not about the fads. It's not about the magic solutions. It's just as you said, it's these little things over time that can have a big impact. So for example, we know that if we walk about 30 minutes a day, we lower the risk of dementia by about 60%. So if you get off on the subway a few stops early, if you park your car a little bit farther from the grocery store, walk with a friend, these little things over time can really add up and finding ways to instill habits that stick. You know, we can be aware that, oh yeah, I need to walk, but just take a moment and assess, wait a second, how can I do it so that it's, it's something fun? Well, I'll walk with a friend or I'll make it so that it's, uh, I'll walk through the park do the things that make the habit stick. And then over time, we see these, these really powerful impacts to protect our brain. It all adds up in the end. It, absolutely. Well, Dr. Milstein, absolute pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to join our listeners, our clients, a lot of valuable takeaways and considerations here, and for joining us up here in our studios in Midtown Manhattan. Uh, great to have you back and looking forward to picking back up with the conversation at some point. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. In the way of housekeeping for our listeners, our clients, along with the podcast you just heard, keep an eye out for the companion video panel discussion with Dr. Mark Milstein, which is available on UBS.com forward slash studios, as well as the UBS Impact article. The UBS On Air Conversations podcast channel is available on major podcast platforms, including on Apple and Spotify. For clients of UBS interested in learning more about what you've heard on today's podcast, please be sure to contact your UBS financial advisor. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy.